0: Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. God, we just love your presence. I thank you, Lord God, that this morning, every single person here, you would speak to their heart. In whatever way that is, God, my prayer this morning is that every single person here will just know you. Know that you're real. Know that your touch is real. But God, that we would know your heart towards us. A heart that's full of grace. Full of love. Full of peace. Full of healing. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hey, we all said amen. Let's give Jesus a hand. Let's give God a hand. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, King. Thank you, King. Hey, that's cool. Why don't you grab a seat, give someone a fist bump, and as you're going down towards your seat, so is the band is going to. Yeah, you can go. Let's give the band a hand. Thank you, fingers. the silky tones of Filinga. Man, when he starts singing, hey, that's like, how awesome is that? How awesome is that? Hey, good to see you in church. Yeah, this is the best place to be on a Sunday morning. At the moment, we're talking about um, values and and, uh, what makes us who we are as a church family, why we do certain things. And we've been speaking to that. So we've been speaking in different stuff like, hey, we're a soul winning church. Our number one goal is to reach the lost and to see as many people come into a relationship with Jesus as we can. Um Stuff like uh, we're a supernatural. So so even just then, what were we, what were we doing just then? Well, one of our core values is that god's a supernatural god and, and, and we want to be a church where the supernatural is displayed where you can touch god people are healed the supernatural is here because god is spirit he's not some abstract concept that we can just kind of try and work out and what what, what else is that what will um we're, we're a praying church we're we gonna have a 10-day fast i mean seriously seriously who likes going without food for 10 whole days it's like, you know what? I ask that question. i put my hands straight down here. But you know what? I actually love the results of it. And, and the reason we do that is we are a praying church. It's one of our core values is that we're a church of prayer and we believe in the power of prayer and we believe it's a powerful thing. So, so just stuff like that. So today I'm talking about discipleship, which is one of our core values as a church. And now, and you can see those flicking up on the screen behind me. We do have 10 values, 10 different. So disciple, our church is a disciple making church. We prioritize people taking their next steps as followers of Jesus. And, um, so yes, we're a disciple-making church, but I want to just unpackage that a little bit because I, I understand some of these terms and some of these concepts. If you haven't been around that long, they can be kind of like, okay, well, what does that mean? What actually is a disciple? We know that in Matthew's 28, Jesus, one of the last things he says to the disciples, he gives them what's called the, the great commission, or, or is like every believer or every Christian's mission is this, and it says, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and, lo, I'm with you always. So Jesus says, hey, go into all the world and make disciples. And often we go, yeah, that's awesome, so let's go and get all these people saved. But that's not what Jesus is actually saying. Jesus doesn't say, hey, make decisions. Make sure that people make a decision to follow me. Jesus says, no, let's make disciples. And it's actually two steps in the same journey. I look at it like this, right? You can't be a disciple without becoming a follower of Christ first or making a decision or a moment of conversion or salvation right? And I look at it like this. If salvation is kind of like the doorway or the gate, then being a disciple is like a journey. All right? The Bible talks about before we become a Christian, we're like in the kingdom of darkness, which sounds really kind of, but it is. So we're in the kingdom of darkness. At one point, when we make a decision to follow God and become a Christian, right? We kind of like, we get a revelation of who God is. We turn our life around, okay? We open the gate, we walk through it. That's salvation. All of a sudden, we're in the kingdom of light. That's what salvation is, yeah. We shut the gate, lock it, let it rust, never to open ever again, right? But that's not the end of it. We don't like just open that gate, step in, lock the door, let it rust, and then just go like, okay, cool done if that's the case we might as well go to heaven but that's where discipleship kicks in and that's what discipleship is we close the door lock the door let it rust over we're never going back but then we start walking this journey of being a disciple salvation's the gate discipleship is like the journey in the Bible, that the term "disciple," because where does that come from? So, so pretty much, I've got a, a New King James Bible. It's not like an old King James. It's got all the these and those taken out, right? But this Bible wasn't actually written in English. It was written in Greek, right? And and, and they, they they got it, and scholars got it, and they 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 put it into English so we can understand it better. And there's different versions. Some of them are like thoughts, and some of them are really accurate. But pretty much, the whole concept of discipleship, Jesus talks about all the time in in the New Testament. And And the word, actually, that he's using to be a disciple. And this is one of the key things here. So to be a disciple, it actually means to be a pupil of or a learner. Now, when I was at school, you probably think I was like a really good student or something like that. But... The truth is, I went to school to eat my lunch and play rugby. And pretty much to make life as difficult as possible for the poor teachers. That's not the kind of pupil we're talking about. I actually think that the, the whole school system was, was probably not really set up or unable to cope with my creativity and spirit, Keegan. Keegan. At that point in time. But actually, the, the picture we're talking about in terms of being a disciple, right? It's like being a learner or a pupil. The, the actual picture is like an apprentice. is more like an apprentice. So if you think that, say, okay, so when we talk about discipleship in terms of being a disciple of Jesus, what we've got to be thinking is that actually I'm like a, an apprentice of Jesus, you get that? I'm like an apprentice of Jesus. So when I say, hey, I'm a disciple, we're talking about discipling or, or, or discipleship. We're talking about, hey, we're getting on-the-job training with Jesus. Here's this journey where I'm getting on-the-job training. God's talking to me. God's helping me. God's speaking into my world. I'm learning about stuff because I am an apprentice of Jesus. I am a disciple. Yeah. And so I, I look through there, and, and we, we we talk about Discipleship and Jesus, because Jesus actually talks about discipleship a fair bit. You read the Bible, he he talks about, hey, discipleship. But there's a number of times he says it, but there's five specific times where he kind of gives this definition of what it means to be a disciple. So, what I'm going to do this morning, I'm going to give you five things that Jesus says about discipleship. Because Jesus talks about it all the time, but what does actually a disciple mean? So, Jesus tells us, and it's in the Bible, And if you've got the Bible where Jesus' words are written in red, it's in red, right? So trust him. Don't trust me. Trust Jesus. You can go and read this. We're actually going to read this. So five things that Jesus says about discipleship, because this is a core value of our church. This is a core value of our church. Okay, so the first thing here, can we go to Luke chapter 14? If you've got your Bible, some people think I'm old school. I just like bringing my Bible to church because I think it's kind of good. You can do what you want. We're going to have it on the big screen. Luke chapter 14, verse 26 says this. Now, I'm going to explain this because you know how sometimes in the Bible there's certain verses that you kind of read and you go, and you kind of skip over and read the next bit? This is one of those. But if you understand what Jesus is actually saying, it's actually really, really powerful. Okay, so Jesus is talking. Luke chapter 14, verse 26, and he says, if anyone comes to me, And does not hate, whoa, does not hate his father, mother, wife, kids, brothers, sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoa, that's heavy. It's okay, I'm gonna explain it. It's all good. It's all good. He who does not even bear his cross and come after me, cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough money to finish it? Lest after he's laid the foundation, he's not able to finish, and all who see it start mocking them, saying, this man began to build and wasn't able to finish it. What king, going to make war against another king, first of all, does not sit down and consider whether he's able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. That's kind of, yep. Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Whoa, what's the principle in that? Because he's talking about hating your mum and your dad. He's talking about hating your wife. I can't hate my wife. She's gorgeous. She's as close to, perfection is you ever going to get. I can't hate her. My kids. I can't hate my, well, they, they, no, no, I can't hate that. They're, they're gorgeous. I love them. What's he talking about? Hating everything. I thought God was love. Well, what that actually means, like I said before, right? So the Bible wasn't actually written in modern day English. It was written in Greek. It was written by Jews and it was written for people like that back in that day and age. And what this term actually means is to love less. It doesn't mean to hate the way we talk about hate. So Jesus isn't actually saying, you know what, you should hate your wife. That's not a very good theology. What God is actually saying is, hey, if you're coming to me and you're going to be a follower of me, you've got to love your wife less than me. You've got to love your parents less than me, your kids. you got to love all of your possessions less than me. In fact, you have to put me First, And that is the first thing a disciple does is we put God first above all else. God is our number one priority. He's our number one priority. And and you know what? It's not even close. God is our number one priority and it's not even close. Paul says in Philippians, he says this, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8. I could just read it on the screen, but I'm not going to. It's just how I roll. Yet, indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And you know what? I count them as rubbish that I might gain Christ. You know what Paul's saying just then? He's saying, you know what? I could have the whole world. I could have everything, but if I don't have Christ, well, what is it? Without Christ, everything else is lost. Without knowing Jesus Christ, everything else is a loss for me. See, the first mark of disciples, we put God first. We put God number one. We put knowing him above all relationships, above all possessions. And you know what? And probably the hardest thing, above my wants and needs. Which is hard in this day and age because it's all about me. Isn't it? In fact, you know at the root of sin, you know we talk about sin? You know, actually the root of sin is me. I will. Me. My own. All about me. The antidote with sin was Jesus coming, living a perfect life and saying, you know what? Not my will, Father, but your will. It's not about me. It's about God. It's about his will. The first mark of disciple is we put God first. And you know the cool thing. The cool thing is this, right? Actually, everything flows out of relationship with God. When you do that, you actually realize, you know what? Everything actually flows out of that. Everything I see in this life, everything I look at actually looks totally different. It's like these things here. I can't see you. Now I can. I can't see you. Now you look totally different. Shorty. Wow, you look really good. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh. When I put God first, everything else looks different. My relationships look different. Because you know what? My relationship, it flows out of who I am in Christ. My fatherhood looks different because my fatherhood flows out of who I am in Christ. My own wants and needs look different because you know what? They line up with... Not my will, his will, yeah. That's the cool thing about it. So the first thing a disciple says, a disciple puts God above all else. The second thing is this. Matthew chapter 10, verse 24. So first of all, a disciple puts God first. Second, Matthew 10, verse 24, and he says this. A disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant to be like his master. Discipleship, okay, we talked about discipleship is a journey. It's a journey, right? But the journey actually is that we are becoming like Christ. It's a journey to become more like Christ. That's what it is. That's what it is. It says here, Jesus saying, hey, a disciple, you should look like me. I, I, I get this thing that people say to me all the time. They say, Jeremy, you look just like your dad. <laughs> My dad's 65. <laughs> I keep waiting for them to be all like, you know, oh, yeah, but you're a younger, better looking version. But no one ever says that. People say, hey, like honestly, people come up to me and say, they say all the time, oh, you know what? I was hanging out with your dad the other day, and you know what? The older you're getting, the more like him you're becoming. Oh, really? Like, I love my dad and all, and like, he's awesome, but really? But then I realize, like, I actually say stuff like him. I say to our interns stuff like, oh, the bluntest pencil is sharper than the keenest mind. And I say stuff like, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And I'm preaching and I say stuff like, I've got more points than a porcupine, which I do today. My dad's got a saying for everything. The older I get, the more I look like him. I guess it's a pretty good thing because my dad's awesome. When you think about it. That's what discipleship is. That's discipleship. The older I get, the further along the journey I get, the more I look like him. The more I take on his characteristics. Whereas beforehand, I was like really hard. Now, I just show grace to people. I show love to people. Before, I had all this outside stuff that people were like, whoa, he's got saved, what? Now they look and go, oh, yeah, cool. Because I've become more... Righteous. The Holy Spirit's talking to me, and I'm like, you know what? I'm about to do something, and, and the Holy Spirit's like, and I go, okay, I'm going to do that. i to do something else. Yeah. And I start to become more like Christ, his character. I do things the way he does things. Not oh, I will. His, his, what, you will, God. A discipleship is a journey to become more like Jesus. Rick Warren says this amazing quote. He says, spiritual maturity is neither instant nor automatic. Most of you guys are just going, good. It's neither instant nor automatic. It's a gradual progressive development that will take the rest of our lives. It's a daily thing. It's a daily thing becoming more like Jesus, becoming more like him. How cool is that? And the thing is, God's actually more interested in who we're becoming and who we are on the inside. More so than what we're doing. It's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. That's the second thing. The third thing is this. John 8 verse 31. You're liking this so far. hope this is helping you. More points than a porcupine. John 8 verse 31 says this. And Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. Okay. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You know the third thing about a disciple? they got truth in them. they got truth in them, because disciples continue in the word, but they know the truth. The truth is written on their hearts, the Bible says. You've got truth in your heart. There's like a light inside you. See, the thing about a disciple is you can't argue a disciple out of being a Christian. You can't argue me out into not believing in God. You can't argue me and try and convince me that God's not real. I know he's real. How do I know? Oh, I know in my Noah. Where do you know? Well, in my Noah. I just know. There's truth in me. The truth is written on my heart. The Holy Spirit is in me. I know. I know. And you know what? That truth makes me free. Jesus goes on to say, who is free is free indeed. There's truth in me. There's God's word in me. This thing like, kind of like comes alive in me. I search this thing out. What does this thing say about God? What does this thing say about me? Are there any promises in here that God's trying to talk to me about? Is there anything I need to start doing or stop doing? Or This thing here, I have truth in me. It's not empty words on a page. It's in my heart. There's light, there's revelation, there's truth. I'm going to give Bible College a plug. This is Wayne. Everyone meet Wayne. Wayne, stand up. Come on, yeah, give him a hand. You don't know why he's standing up yet. He's our Bible College principal, and we are Bible College starting this week. Um, We've got a course on Monday and Thursday, but they're kind of second parts. But on Thursday, I'm doing Moving in the Spirit. And it's going to be awesome. 6.30 Fridays, uh Thursday nights, 6.30 in the hub next door. If you want to do that, see Wayne out in the foyer afterwards. He's going to be hanging out in the grow zone. Get amongst it. Yeah, thank you, Wayne. Get the truth in you. Find out more. Find out more. Keep continually just be feeding yourself with the truth. The disciple has the truth in them. Fourth thing, John 15. Verse 7 says this. I love this passage of Scripture. I love this part in the Bible. It says, if you abide in me, oh, hang on a second, and my words abide in you, okay, you will ask what you decide and it will be done for you. And by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. You know the fourth thing Jesus says about disciples is they're fruitful. A disciple bears fruit. What are you talking about, Jeremy? What is fruit? Well, there's two types of fruit. First of all, there's kind of spiritual fruit. What Paul talks about, he talks about in Galatians, in the Bible, the book of Galatians chapter 5, and Paul talks about, hey, if you're a Christian and you've got the Spirit in you and you're hanging out with God, there's all this fruit that just starts growing in your life and tumbling out of your world, so to speak. Love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of this fruit. Paul calls them the fruits of the Spirit. So that's the first type of fruit. So you just hang out with God. You start getting this word in you. The Holy Spirit speaks to you. You're becoming more like Jesus. And you know what? That fruit starts coming out. You've got fruit. If... The day of salvation, you walk through that gate and you say, you know what, I'm going to follow follow Christ. I'm going to be a follower of God, right? If 10 years down the track, there's not fruit in your life and you're still the same type of person, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. The Holy Spirit brings fruit out of us. The second type of fruit is this. And, And Jesus talks about He gives this this story or this parable called the the parable of the talents. And in this, Jesus is kind of talking about um, this guy. He's a business owner, and he goes away, and he's got three servants, and he gives one of them like $10,000. He gives another one like $5,000, another one like $1,000, right? And the guy with $10,000 goes to work. The boss comes back, and he says, Okay, so what would you do with with, with the, the talents I gave you, the money I gave you? What do you do with the gifts that are placed in your life? And the guy with the $10,000 goes, Well, you know what? I got to work, I invested it, I made another $10,000. Jesus goes, Awesome. Awesome. What about you, Mr. $5,000 man? Well, Jesus, I got to work and I started investing it and I made another $5,000. Jesus like, Awesome. Awesome. Then he goes to the guy with the $1,000 and the guy goes, Oh, it's only $1,000. You haven't given me much. And I know, like, you, 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 you know, you're expecting fruit. So what I did, I didn't want to lose any of that. I dug a hole in the ground. I put it all in the hole, covered it over, and just left it. Just like, what? What? I gave you gifts. I deposited stuff into your life, and you didn't use it? I deposited stuff into your life, and you're telling me you never used it? See, we're called to be fruitful with what God has placed in our lives, our gifts, our talents, our personality. We're supposed to use that to make other disciples, to build the church, to win people to Christ, all this kind of thing. God has given every single one of us gifts and talents, and you know what? We've got to use it. We've got to use it because a disciple bears fruit now I've never seen a tree right and I'm talking about a healthy tree so I've never seen a tree that's healthy trying to bear fruit there's right? like an apple There's another apple it doesn't work like that does it <laughs> sounds like a constipated tree I'm getting from the front row probably does if a tree's healthy, if it's fed, if it's got water, sunlight, oil, what does it just do? It just bees itself. just grows and bears fruit. If you feel like a Christian, right, that is sitting there trying to bear fruit, like, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. See, Bearing fruit isn't a striving. Bearing fruit isn't like a push and, and like a hard thing. Bearing a fruit is first of all, being healthy. And second of all, you know what? Just using the gifts that God's got, given you. Just start serving. I, I have this, I, I'm all about um, equations, right? And I have this equation. Gifts plus opportunity was fruit. Your gifts... Plus opportunity equals fruit. What do I mean by opportunity? I'll tell you what I mean by opportunity. You show me your gifts and I'll give you an opportunity. Seriously. You show me what your gifts are and someone like Teresa or Terry, our dream team um, leader, they'll give you an opportunity to start serving. You just start using your gifts. Just be yourself. You don't have to strive. You don't have to try and bear fruit. You just use what God's placed in your life, and you know what? You'll bring fruit forward. My job as a pastor isn't to, like, kind of like be one of two or three people doing everything. My job as a pastor is to release every single person sitting in this room into what God has called you to do. Using your gifts, using your talents, serving Christ, bearing fruit. That's the fourth thing. So, disciple, we put God above all else. Secondly, it's a journey to become like Christ. Thirdly, there's truth in us. Fourthly, we're bearing fruit. And the last thing is this, and I love this one. I L-O-V-E, love this one. John chapter 13. John chapter 13, verse 34 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. See, a disciple of Jesus is the embodiment of love. We love. We love. We're not starting arguments on Facebook. We're not being ungracious towards people who are on a journey as well as us. Because that's the thing. See, everybody in this room is on a journey and we're at different points in the journey. We show love. This is how you know what a disciple is. A disciple loves. Not, like I said the other night, bachelorette kind of love. (laughs) I'm on a mission to kind of like put that thing to bed, not like, I just want to find love. So I'm going on the bachelorette with these 30 guys and I'll find one. Anyway, not that kind of love. not that kind of love. But the realization, right, that discipleship does not happen in a vacuum. Discipleship does not happen in a vacuum. There's no such thing, oh, it's just me and Jesus. See you later, everyone else. Discipleship only happens with other disciples. Discipleship only happens with other disciples. We get amongst other people, we love on them. We pray for them. We hang out with them. Sometimes we put their needs before our own needs. Disciples love. Disciples love. Disciples of Jesus love. Our our number one thing that we do for that, we have got groups. If you're not in a group, please get in a group. You can go out to the service desk, grab a connect directory, pick a group that you think will work for you. Please do that because you know what? This is how this is mostly outworked in this church through groups with other people and you know what jesus says jesus says you know what people out there are going to look in here and go oh i get it i get it they've been with jesus they love one another they love one another it's one of the biggest signs that we're disciples of jesus you know we just show love we put other people first we serve other people it's not about me and my own and I and it's about others. I love that. I love that. Disciple, God first. We become more like Jesus. The truth's in us. We're bearing fruit. We're loving others. How good is that? How good is that? And hey, why don't we all close our wires? Because I just want to pray. I reckon now would be a good time just to kind of do a little bit of self analysis. Because we're all called to be disciples of Christ, right? If we've made that decision, we've walked through that gate, we've shut the door, we're called to be disciples of Christ. And sometimes it's good just to look at myself and go, how am I doing with that? Is God first? Is God really first? Or is there other stuff choking God out? Where am I at on the scale of becoming more like Christ? I don't have to be perfect, but am I taking steps becoming more like Him? Am I using my gifts? Is the truth in me? How do I go with the whole love thing? Am I bitter and nasty or am I loving and gracious? So, while every eye is closed, just ask God to speak to you. Not what you want to hear, but what He wants to tell you. Lord God, I thank you for the opportunity that we all have to follow you. Jesus, I thank you that you've called us. Jesus, I thank you that you've sent our help of the Holy Spirit. Gives us power. He's the spirit of truth. He, he speaks to our hearts. He guides us. He teaches us. God, I pray for every single one of us here. Help us. God, and if there's something we need to do or if there's something we need to stop doing or if we've got to forgive someone or speak to someone, God, guide us. Guide us. Most of all, Lord God, I thank you that you, you love us first. I thank you, Lord, that you are love. Amen. Amen.